So why don't we get started. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, that we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we always need you, Lord. There is not a time that we don't need you. And we thank you that you dwell in us so that we don't even perceive that we have a need. Because in your presence is fullness of joy and every good thing, reassurance. So we are certain of your goodness toward us at all times. And we honor you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk about the fact that faith does not know how to give up. Amen. Faith does not know how to give up. We know that faith is a spirit. Amen. It is a spiritual force. And so once faith is connected to God, it has an eternal quality to it. It becomes an eternal spiritual force when you put your faith and your confidence in God's word. And this is what God wants us to do. If if doubt and unbelief got us kicked out of the garden, then faith will get us back in. Amen. So all we do is reverse the things that caused us trouble. Amen. Amen. That's, that's why you uh, uh, discipline your children. And pretty soon they understand, well, if I quit doing this, I quit getting whoopings. <laughs> and that's what you want to communicate, amen? And so we communicate that, to, or God communicates that to us with our faith, and we communicate that to God with believing in his word. And so as we reach out and we touch and believe God's word, then great things happen to us. So we're going to talk about a man who used his faith, and he got the benefit of a faith that refused to give up. Now, you might get faint, and you might want to quit. You might threaten to do this, that, or the other. But your faith has no understanding of the word quit. Amen? Your faith knows nothing about quit. All your faith knows is to continue. Why? Because it 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 is an eternal force. Faith in the things of the natural has a stopping point to it. Amen? It, the stopping point really is when you run out of hope that you can receive what it is that you want. See, many people get run out of hope because they don't see it soon enough. So you have to hold on to hope and you have to hold on to faith as well. Many times you'll think, oh, well, you know, it's been so long now, it doesn't really matter. I'll coast until I get into the, you know, (laughs) the rest of my days or something silly like that. But your faith must always be connected. Your faith, the faith of the Son of God is what we use when we're in His kingdom. It's not your faith anymore. So you have to think of it as the same way you would think if, if Jesus Himself were using that faith without you being in the picture. And that's the best way to look at it because that's really the quality of faith that when we have. Uh, Mark 11:22 says, have faith in God. Not faith in you, faith in the world, not even faith in your faith. You can have faith in faith, but it must be the faith of the Son of God. It can't be your natural faith, your measure of faith. That measure of faith must be invested in something in order for it to work. Uh, 
James says faith without works is dead because it's by itself. So it has to be connected to something and it has to be triggered. You know, faith is like a bullet. You put the bullet into the chamber of the gun, but you got to pull the trigger to get the benefits of the bullet. And so faith is that way. It's got to be put to work either through believing, confessing, attaching it to the word, attaching it to something you hope for, attaching it to something real. People who don't put their faith to work tend to lose interest in the things of God very quickly. See, many times people, you know, sometimes people get to the point they come to church just out of habit. They just come. I mean, that's better than not coming. You understand what I'm saying? But when you just come out of habit, and that's all there is to what you do, and that's all there is to how you you go about your life, then you have what what's called kind of like a dormant or a lifeless faith, a faith that just, you've seen it. I mean, this is how whole denominations wind up uh, ordaining homosexuals is because they have long since quit using their faith for the things God has is doing on the earth. That's the other thing. You can't use your faith for just everything you think you want. It has to line up not just with God's word, but also his plan for your life. You see what I'm saying? So your faith will have to pull in what God wants for you. It can't, you can't live by what I say I'm doing and even though you can be inspired by it or you can be encouraged by it, but don't limit yourself to what I use my faith for and, and don't exclude yourself from doing the same things. You understand what I'm saying? So we can all inspire one another that, that boy, you know, when I was uh, really in need, I found that God would, would give me this, give me that, or, or send this to me, or send that help to me. And, and boy, was that a high time in my life. And that's wonderful. And, and we should live like that. But don't limit yourself. Find your own relationship with God. This is how people um, change the world. The John G. Lakes, the Oral Roberts, people in that caliber, this is how they did it. They had their own personal covenant with God. They used their own faith in God. Where are you going? <laughs> Don't you go in that office, little girl. <laughs> you have been worn six feet away, 12 feet. Praise God. Amen. Keep, gotta, gotta keep Shua and Sheree away. But uh, anyway, praise God. <laughs> but uh, uh, what was I saying? You see, I got distracted. Say, no more walking around, nobody. No, no, that's what you. But uh, yeah, this is how people they sought God from their hearts, and I think that's the key to making good use of your faith, pleasing God with your faith, allowing your faith to work miracles for you and for other people. Um, it, you have to seek him for yourself. And there's no shortcut to relationship with God. You gotta pay the price for that. You gotta turn away from the world. You gotta make the world, the, what's going on in the world of no consequence to you. You know, or little consequence. And, and just learn how to connect with God 
through believing him, through trusting him, putting his word to work, putting that word out there and, and letting it work for you, seeing what it will bring into your life, that kind of stuff. And so when we're able to do that, God is able to do exceeding and abundantly beyond what we ask or think. He will do miracles in our lives because we're able to trust him. We're able to release our faith into his care. See, when you put faith in God, when you start believing the word, confessing the word, you entrust him with your faith. Faith is a trust situation. You put put trust in God through turning your faith over to him so that he can bring the things into your life that he's ordained for you. They're already laid up for you. Your needs are not a surprise to God. They don't catch him off guard. He's not, oh, Lord, we have bills down there. Let me, uh uh-uh, it's already laid up. All he has to do is release it. Amen. And he's waiting for your faith in him so that he can release the things that we desire. Amen. And so many times, you know, things we desire may be new to us. We may think, well, I didn't know I'd I'd need to, to pray for that or I didn't know that would be an issue. And so that's when we have to add some things to our faith. You have to have knowledge to your faith, you know, and understanding what it is that God desires for your life. Uh, you know, I, when God began to talk to me about ministry, I just thought, well, okay, you know, I'll, whatever you say, God. I didn't know we'd have to uh, believe God for a building, not for people, you know, but for vehicles, because our ministry was not normal in the sense that you just came to a building, went home, came to a building, went home. No, I had to get people on a bus. I had to get them in vehicles. I had We had to move to where God says, have the meeting and move back again. Well, we got accustomed to that over the years. But, it, but I'm going to tell you, it was tough at first trying to say, now, God, I can't believe you for a, a, a stable building. I'm going to believe you for a bus to hold all of these people but but god showed me that that was laid up for us as a ministry and that we had to do it in order to be obedient to what he called us to do we could be like everybody else but we're not called to be like that you see what i'm saying i mean you know there may come a time we we all have to get off the road some or a little bit or i don't know what's going to happen but until that time comes we've still got to find vehicles to take people to get them where they're supposed to be and to allow god to have his way in the earth it's not about us being who everybody else is it's not it's not even about us being different but it's about being obedient to God and, and putting your faith. Once I said yes to God in ministry, that was the package deal. All of that came with it. Amen. I remember thinking, I said, what does a bus cost? And people started giving me pictures of these $200,000 and all that. I said, y'all got that kind of money somewhere we can get that? You understand what I'm saying? And then a building to house it. So, I mean, these are things that you have to, I mean, if I didn't put my faith in God, none of it would happen. You understand what I'm saying? And so these things happen because they're on schedule for us. They're required for us. And it takes faith in God to bring these things to pass. So your faith doesn't know how to quit. Once we got in process of believing God for vehicles, our faith for them has not quit. 
to the degree that the last buses we received came free. You got me? We paid for the first ones and we needed to because we needed to show God we were willing to sacrifice. We were willing to do what we needed to do. We were willing to do all of those things so that we could could receive what God had for us. I remember a time there was a prophetess that came. We invited her as a speaker at one of our meetings and she took them an offering and she got pledges for about four people for $5,000 each. And it came in. Some of it came in that day. And some of the people that couldn't pay the pledge right away uh, contacted me later and said, we really was on our heart to give that money then. We want to give it now and did that. There was a, I remember one of the, the people, they came with some relatives who were a part of me. They were just visitors to the conference. And um, they lived in Massachusetts. And this gentleman lived in the same town Norman Rockwell lived in. Remember him, the, the artist? He had posed for some pictures uh, with Norman Rockwell when he was a kid. He'd drawn his, and he had a print, a Rockwell print, and he was able to sell it and get the money and give it to the ministry. Now, don't tell me God won't provide. You see, when you see God doing the stuff like that, your unbelief flies out the window. It's like, well, what am I scared of? You understand what I'm saying? It's like slap yourself for being so silly. And so when, when you understand what God, when God speaks to people to do things, their faith refuses to quit. Faith just refuses to quit. That man could have gone home and said, well, I didn't get the money then. I guess I don't need to give it or anything. I've had people call back and do that. Well, um, I pledged money, but God didn't tell. He told me when I get home, got home, he didn't tell me to do it. I want to say, no, the devil told you that. The devil's the only one who's going to. He does that to everybody. I'm thinking to myself, is this your first rodeo? The minute you give something or pledge something, you get by yourself and he said, now you know you shouldn't have done that. You know you don't have that. What you going to do when your bills come in? I know one thing, devil, I ain't going to pray to you to pay nothing. Amen? Ain't none of your business what I'm doing, you little thief. And so, you know, what can you say? And I, I told her, I said, well, sis, I, you know, it's not my job to hold you to any kind of, we don't hold people. This is between you and God, you know. So you do what you feel God is telling you to do. But, but, you know, hopefully people learn better. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so God wants us to use our faith in Him because your faith does not know how to give up. It just keeps believing. Amen. So you want the kind of faith in, in the things that you do, the kind of faith that keeps believing, and that's the God kind of faith. So what is the God kind of faith? Well, it's a faith that Abraham had. We talked a little about him yesterday. Against hope, he believed in hope that he might be the father of many nations according to what God promised him, not according to what he thought God said. Huh? So we might have to do a few do-overs in life because we have to receive according to what God has in mind for us. See, many times we'll get, we'll get an inkling of what he wants and run off with it like we got the whole thing. Sometimes you need to hold up and sit in that place where God's speaking to you until you get what I say full disclosure. 
or enough understanding to know how to apply your faith and how to believe God for what he says you're supposed to have. I know I see all these people on the, uh, uh, people on, uh, Facebook. They've got more title than they have evidence of what, who they're called to be. Now there's nothing wrong with calling yourself. If God called you an apostle, be that. But let's have some evidence at some point. You know, if there's no, now you've been saved 15, 10, 15, 20 years and you haven't stepped into ministry yet, something ain't right somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's just my feeling. Now, some people have ministries that are so unique, they come forth at a certain season. But I know for, for, for preachers you see in the Bible, they want God to show them some proof that they got the goods. They don't just run around calling themselves something with no proof forever. Like Elisha. He asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And the minute that mantle fell to the ground, he had said, where is the God of Elijah? Show me some proof that the power is on my life. See, you can't just go through life calling yourself something. And you're scared to hit the water and ask God to show me if it's real or not. Uh, and if that's the case, we all living in Disney World. You call yourself anything you want to. But if God called you that, he follows it up with evidence and proof. Amen? The Bible says an apostle's ministry is evidenced by signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Huh? We wonder why you don't take the sign down calling yourself an apostle. That's the only wonder I can. You got some business cards as a sign. You understand what I'm saying? You got a Facebook page and a title as a sign. But where's the evidence? Quit playing around with God. Quit playing around with people. You know, all these people who are this and that on paper, now they got to do videos because they don't have nobody. <laughs> I'm looking there and say, huh? that what you call preaching? Huh? You know, and they text real good on there, posting real good on there, and then you, is that what their brother really preached like? Oh. Just saying. I'm just messing with people today. I don't care. You ought to have too much respect for God. Used to be people had too much respect for God and too much respect for the ministry to play these kind of games. Huh? They probably the same people. Who would they call them? Uh, Catfish people? We got catfish preachers on. (laughs) Anywho. Let's turn to Luke chapter 5. I think we want to go there. We have an interesting um, interesting account of faith that won't quit. This is a man carried by four people, or the man born of four. <clears throat> the King James, verse 17 is where it starts. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day, 
as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now, that's like, you know, you go preach somewhere and all the witches of and warlocks in three cities come to your meeting. Huh? Now, you got to be prepared for unbelief to show up. Every time faith is, is evident and faith is present in God, jealousy and unbelief will come to your meeting. Amen? It's just the way it is. That That's the way the kingdom of darkness operates. The devil hates it when people believe God and when somebody shows them evidence that God is good or evidence that the word works or evidence that God, God is a God of power. And so they will all show up. But it's interesting to me, these dudes came from like three different cities. So that's like the... Um, uh, all points bulletin that the police do. Uh, calling all cars, be on the lookout for Jesus' meeting, get over there ASAP. Can't let him do what he wants to do. So let's get over there. And so the devil will call out all of his mean little troops to try and hinder what you're doing. They show up to put doubt in the hearts of people. <laughs> so they crowd into the meeting. See? So he says, they were come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. There's a whole bunch of religious spirits. And the power of God was present to heal them. So even though you got all these religious devils marching in with their unbelief and their questions and Whoever was there to receive outnumbered their unbelief. And this is what you got to know. Was as soon as the devil comes in with his unbelief, the power of faith can capture it and arrest it and render it ineffective and harmless in that meeting. So you got to believe that. Because you're going to get all kind of people coming to meetings. You're going to have all kind of people waiting for the meeting to be over. They love it when we say the meeting is closed and we close the altar. And then that's when the religious devils come out of the woodworks and want to go prophesy to people. Huh? When Benny Hinn would have his meetings, there was more more people at the end of the meeting wanting to learn how to minister. There's always somebody wanting to get somebody out of a wheelchair or somebody go lay hands on somebody at one of his meetings. And so we have to make sure. And you know what? It's good to warn people. Because people who, who will do stuff like that aren't pure in their hearts. Now, there's a certain amount of ignorance where people uh, are curious. They want to be used by God. All that kind of stuff is good. But I believe if you really want to be used by God, you need to go a step further and ask God how you're going to be taught and how you're going to be trained so that you can be used properly. You got me? You just don't jump up and and start doing things. doesn't work like that. Any more than if you were wanting to be a doctor, you jump up and go rush in a hospital and start cutting on people. It's the same thing. 
So just like you don't do it there, you don't do it in God's kingdom, even more so. You know, you mind your little manners. And so they were sitting by it, but the power of God was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. And when they could not find a way to get him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins be forgiven you. Now, this is the thing. As as the word of God is preached, power goes out. So the power, if, if, if we preach on healing, the power to heal is present because of the preaching of the word of God. You gotta believe that. Whenever, because God confirms his word with signs following. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. And the Bible says, and the Lord worked with them confirming his word with signs following. So New Testament believers can preach the gospel and as long as we are preaching in faith the power of God is present to do exactly what we speak it's just there how do you treat that preached word makes all the difference in what you get do you mix that word with faith now there are a lot of people who come to church like the Pharisees They come sit there and want to criticize and critique. They never mix it with their faith. Jesus, when he saw their faith, verse 20, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. That messed some heads up. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this with speech blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said to them, why do you reason in your hearts? He said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or rise, take up your bed and walk. He said, but I want you to know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. So he looked at just to, just to pacify the religious. He said, well, get up off your bed and walk then. Any word he spoke would have gotten him up off that bed. The Pharisees made a big deal about what you did wrong. Being the reason for why you're sick. So he did that more or less to tantalize them. He knew what they were thinking. So he said, well, mom, I messed some heads up while I get this young man healed. Amen. So he said, well, your sins are forgiven you. Now, remember the young man that was born blind? And they asked, who sinned? Him or his parents said he was born blind. So he knew they carried this judgmentalism. And nobody can qualifies to get a healing. You understand that kind of stuff? So he he begins to help their stupidity. 
because Israel had, now these are doctors of the law. They're the highest knowledgeable people about God's law there is in Israel. Amen. Many times Jesus would rebuke them. He said, you're doctors of the law and you don't notice. What's your teaching around here? You're an apostle and you don't know this. What you apostling around here? So he messes their heads up a little bit and he reads their thoughts all the time. He knows, you know, they ain't about nothing. Criticism. But they were so convinced that people who sinned could not receive healing that they never offered a way of repentance for those people. I know uh, uh, James 5.14 messed their heads up. Because it says, if, if call for the elders of the church, <laughs> and if you've committed any sins, they're forgiven. I'm sure that was thrown in for the religious. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. If, if God tells you you're healed, <laughs> it's automatic your sins are forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if you got faith to be healed, yes. your sins must be forgiven. Because righteous faith, faith is righteousness as far as God is concerned. So what you've done is you quit believing what you've been believing and now you believe God and he counts it to you for righteousness. Now that doesn't mean you don't repent and you don't confess. You understand what I'm saying? But, but James says it's a package deal in case any of y'all think that person on their deathbed cannot be forgiven and get healed. This covers it. Amen. So he added that in for the judgmental people who always want to tell you you're sick because you did something wrong and it's unforgivable. You got me? So Jesus is teaching as he's healing. He's teaching them, you have power on earth to forgive sins. Where they thought it was a, a, a something that God held to himself, now through the new birth, God releases it to believers. See, we can forgive people and bring them into God's kingdom. There's God to forgive. You got, you got some cut up people in your family. You know who I'm talking about. They always doing something wrong. You'll never see them. You invite them to church. They never show up. They always begging for prayer. Always want them kind of people. It's always cutting up. And you got to keep going to God on their behalf. You, God, please forgive them. I know they don't live right. They don't live for you, God. Please forgive them. And offer them repentance. Offer them a place in, in your heart where they can turn away from their sin even if they don't turn away completely and please heal them or please give them a decent job please take care of their kids please send them some food please provide for them it's the goodness of god that brings leads people to repentance so his goodness toward them because you've asked god to forgive them and to offer them some enlightenment that that forgiveness thing means that god takes the weight of sin off their conscience for a season and they feel lifted so that they feel worthy to receive something from God. Because many times people just don't feel that way. They're always, well, don't worry about that. You know, I'm going to come to church when I get right. Well, that won't happen. Huh? 
Most people come kicking and screaming, you know, like we did. Amen. And, and finally get in there and start acting like you got some sense. But get right now. So Jesus had called this meeting and he's teaching. So anybody that wanted to, anyone that, that heard the call could show up at a Jesus meeting. As usual, it's a mixed crowd. Pharisees, experts in the Jewish law, doctors of the law, they were all gathered in one place. There was faith to be healed in that place because Jesus' word always has faith on it. So he is preaching about healing, no doubt. So the meeting follows the familiar pattern that Jesus set. He teached, preached, and healed. You must teach and preach for the healing to be effective. Now, that's as a general rule. There may be times when the gifts of healing are in operation, and nobody knows how, when, what, where they're going to work. You got me? Gifts are unpredictable, but they're available. And so there are many times where you'll feel the unction to pray for somebody or the unction to lay hands on somebody and a gift of healing will show up. And with some people, it can operate with pretty good regularity. You got me? Just does. Now, there are people, now, I know some, some other teachers disagree with that, but there are some, some individuals that can pretty much get everybody that has a certain ailment fixed. Amen? And, and that's by gift. So that gift operates really in the absence of preaching and teaching on healing the word. I'll give you an example. I was walking in a supermarket. I was always in Myers because that's where we switch off when I go to Toledo and Cleveland. And uh, we would drop me off at Myers. I'd wait for the next person or I'd go in the supermarket. A lot of times I use that as an opportunity to do my shopping. Amen. And uh, I'm walking around Myers, and there's a man, this man walked past me, and just out of nowhere, he told me that he had hurt his back. He said, my back is really paining me. I hurt my back. And so the Lord said, don't walk past him. He said, you stop and pray for him. And said there was no preaching meeting, no teaching meeting, no healing meeting. See, when these things happen, you got to be careful to obey God. Meyer Supermarket is no place to stand on a soapbox and call a meeting. You got me? So you got to know that God has something special for that person. And so I, I looked around and I said, you want me to pray for you? I said, God wants to heal you. He's going to take that pain away from you like that. That's enough preaching, teaching. You understand what I'm saying? You put faith out there for him. And there was a woman not far from him. I said, is that your wife? He said, yes, her. I said, wife, come here. (laughs) Come here, wife. 
I said, your husband said he's got pain. Yeah, he's been complaining about it all day. And so I said, well, I'm going to pray for him. God wants me to pray for him. The pain go away. So I said, put your hand on your husband. Where is it hurt? So she touched him. I put my hand over hers. I said, you feel that heat? She said, yeah. I said, it's the power of God. I said, taking the pain out. So we prayed, and I commanded to leave. I said, it's gone. He said, yeah, it's gone. So I saw them like 10 minutes later. I went my way. They went theirs. and You know, that's enough to do sometimes. You don't follow people around questioning them all day long. Come on now. And so he looked at me. He said, still gone. I said, yeah, and it's not coming back either. You understand what I'm saying? So people check themselves. You got me? To make sure what they need is there. So that's a gift. Amen. It just comes because there's a need. God's a God of mercy and compassion. And he'll do stuff like that. Amen. Don't go around following people and looking for God to, you understand, don't be a stalker. Amen. Just allow these things to happen by the, by the will of God and by the power of God. So the power of God to heal shows up. Power of God shows up to manifest what is preached. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. See, there are a lot of people that don't get people healed because they never preach healing because they're scared to. They're scared to believe God to bring them out of that box and into his will. It's God's will that, that people be healed. He wants people well. I mean, people in your meeting, he wants well. But they'll never get well if you don't preach it, if you hem and haw about it, if you don't study it yourself and give faith in you that God wants to do that. It doesn't take much, folks. It doesn't take much. All you got to do is be obedient and expect what God says he's going to do in his word. Amen. So whenever Jesus preached, the healing anointing showed up, especially if there were believers there. So the presence of believers allows the healing power to remain there, to increase, and to target certain things. So if you believe God for healing... He will target you with that. Whenever you're in a meeting where, where the word is being preached, always keep your faith out there to grab that word. I don't care what that word is saying. Keep your faith out there to grab it. And uh, you know the problem people have is because they've heard it before. And how many scriptures have you not heard before? Sometimes because it gets that familiar ring in our ears and then we shut our ears down. You need to perk them up even more and say, God, you know what? I'm going to get this this time. I'm not going to go out of here half believing the way I always do. I'm going to leave out of here believing more today. People, in order to get the benefit of the preached word, you've got to mix the preached word with your faith. You need to know that skeptics and critics are also present. But they had little power against Jesus' word. One of the reasons they didn't is because they sat up there thinking the whole time. Confused and puzzled. (laughs) They're scared to say something. You know, people who are against what you preach seldom tell you. 
I mean, seriously, to your face, they go behind your back and he says, she don't know what she's talking about. Cause, you know, I was, I was looking at, uh, so and so on the television and they said, them women preachers, they ain't right. They don't know how to preach. They ain't supposed to be preaching? No way. Huh? You know, people in the world look at us like we crazy. Cause they're all into making women equal now. Woo-hoo. Even the sinners have figured that out, that women are inferior or stupid or dirt under somebody's feet. But you can come to the church and you hear that all day long. There are, are ministers and denominations that make their living putting down women preachers that they see on. You understand what I'm saying? What kind of heaven they going to, I don't know. Huh? But Catherine Kuhlman going to be up there. She's still preaching. Huh? <laughs> Sister Edder up there pointing a finger at everybody with her little short cell. She's still preaching. <laughs> so skeptic, skeptics and critics are often present, but they had little power against Jesus' words because he didn't let them talk, number one. They just whisper and stay confused on their own. So the people who are present who believe always dominate others' unbelief. You can prove that. You take somebody to church which is not saved. And then the altar call is done and pretty soon they stand up weeping and walk up to the altar. They they don't even ask you to go up with them. They just got to get up there all of a sudden. Amen. So faith is much more powerful than unbelief. Faith actually condemns unbelief. It wedges it in and hems it in and doesn't give it a chance to operate. So all you got to do is keep speaking the word in a situation where people are trying to tell you what the natural says and it's going to be this and it's going to be that and all that. You know, I watch President Trump get condemned by people. Why? Because he's optimistic about the future. Why would he sit up there and try to make people feel like they're never going to get better and this is never going to end? And you can see, I mean, they hate him anyway, but they're, they really come out then. You tell people things are going to get better. You tell them this economy is going to bounce back faster and they ready to, oh, he's just a liar. He's such a liar. No, it sounds like a lie to you because you don't have faith for things to get better. You'd rather hear gloom and doom. Well, you ain't going to hear no gloom and doom in here, honey. You, we are not sick. We're not expecting to get sick. We not going to go COVID, bobid, little brother, big brother. None of that stuff. I don't care what they call it. We're not going that way. In Jesus' name. Amen. We have a blood covenant that's paid for us to walk in divine health against where do you think that scripture a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it won't come near you you look at people in Italy just be glad you don't live there I don't know what happened over there but it's triple bad be thankful you know this is a time of thanksgiving this is a time of staying close to God if nothing else Make yourself stay close to God.
so this man is is he's paralyzed he can't carry himself there so you got to have help he's got faith but his faith needs help amen you see people like that in the word all the time it, it <clears throat> we know in, in many times we're the same way we know that we can be healed we want to be healed there's faith in your heart but you don't know how to get it from believing to receiving see he was believing but he had no way to get in to receive he came to the door to get in the meeting and there were so many religious devils packed up in there you know a religion well you didn't do this right that's why you sick well you didn't do that right that's why you sick See, you eat all them uh, ham hocks and stuff, all that stuff that's bad for you. All that fat back. I said, ooh, it sure was good. Ooh, devil, it sure was good. I wish you could eat some devil because it sure was good. Let me tell you about it. Huh? I'm going to eat some more, too. I'm going to bless it right in front of your face, and I'm going to eat it. Huh? See, you know, your people's is now. What people are you talking about, devil? Huh? Us God people? The kind that can cast you out and make you shut up? That's the kind of people you're talking about? See, that runs in your family. You mean the family of God? Healing runs in the family of God. Amen? So there are going to be a lot of things blocking the door to your healing. Huh? If you can't get it one way, God's made many ways for you to get into where He is. Amen. Well, God, I've been confessing the word, confessing the word, keep confessing the word, but I'm gonna add something to that. You mean more? Yeah, more. Shut up, quit whining. It's good for you. Huh? Can never have too much of the word. See, we all think we're doing the best we can, don't we? I'm doing enough. You hope. Uh, so everybody's faith needs help. The man at the pool, he thought he was waiting on an angel to trouble the water. But he wasn't. He was just there. Some people think they're waiting on God to heal them, and they're not. they just there. Huh? Because he didn't have anybody to take him down there. If the angel did come, he has uh, when Jesus said, uh, "You know, would you will you be made whole?" I have no man. So you really ain't sitting here waiting on that angel to come here. You just here. There's a lot of people. I'm believing God for the manifestation. No, you're not. No, you're not. You either have it now or you don't. Your faith is your manifestation. How much more you want? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance is manifestation. Oh, that ain't enough for you? Huh? Well, it's going to have to do. Because that's God's way of doing it. You've got to have the substance manifestation before the natural unimportant symptoms will leave 
that's unimportant. Oh, you don't know what that does to me when you say that. I know it's unimportant. He tells me the same thing I'm telling you. You don't like me. Uh, it ain't important. My little friend over there, what do they tell us? Look, she's trying to act like she don't know nobody. What you looking at? I'm talking to you. I said, what do they tell us? It's not how you. It's how you. Ah, there you go. Huh? That's how God healed me from a nervous breakdown. Anything you had in the natural was unimportant, irrelevant, and inconsequential to what he's doing. And you got to see it like that. Because if faith is not your focus, you ain't going to get there either. And see, we've made what we don't have more important than what we do have. You got something eternal in you. You got stuff in you that even if you got symptoms, it'll heal somebody else. How's that for messing your little religious head up? Huh? Man, you sit up there and think, should I pray for him? Yeah, I pray for him. Can I tell them to heal even if I'm not? Oh, yeah, do that too. Oh. God came to blow people's minds. Are you kidding me? Mess your head straight up. Then behind closed doors, God, how come I can pray for other people and it don't work for me? It's working for you. It's just working different. It's working for you. See, the minute you say it's not working, you lose it. Huh? You gotta believe it's working anyway. See, what God's trying to do is get you out of you. You're so concerned about how you feel, yourself, and how I've been like this for... <laughs> That's all good, but that ain't gonna get you symptom free. Huh? Job whined for 39 chapters. And then one day God said, get up out that bed. You don't even look like yourself. Get up and wash and put some clothes on it. Huh? Have you ever had anybody do that to you? When I was depressed, I had people do that to me. They said, girl, you don't even look like yourself. What's wrong with you? And then I thought, well, maybe I should get up and get dressed and start acting normal once you start acting normal normal shows up well as normal as I'm going to get (laughs) everybody's help faith needs help and see this is where we get stuck because we think faith is everything oh I got faith I, I, I prayed that prayer I believed I received when I prayed Okay, cool. Can you keep believing? Oh, yeah, that's what it's about. (laughs) Can you keep doing it? Can you keep doing it? 
can you keep, even when the devil tells you, you know, now you've been confessing all that time and ain't nothing happened to you. I mean, you ain't looking no different. You ain't. And in, in fact, you looking a little funnier now. Huh? <laughs> when I was, when I was first depressed, I, I wasn't saved. I got saved shortly after because I started crying out to God. And I asked God, I said, I said, God, the one thing I'm going to ask you, please don't let me go to the mental hospital. You know where I went? Straight to the nut house. Well, I didn't know enough about faith to even argue that I had faith. Amen. But sometimes you're so crazy, you have to get in your carnal right mind. Before you can get in a spiritual mind. You understand? Well, you gotta get your carnal mind trained to not make you sicker every day. You understand what I'm saying? Just one day say, uh, devil, I'm crazy enough. I ain't getting no crazier. You understand what I'm saying? We ain't going that route. So your faith needs help. Oh boy. I thought faith was everything. Yeah, keep reading. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.5 says, add to your faith. Oh, I thought it was just faith and confessing the word. You don't even do that faithfully. Huh? There's such thing in God as what they call devotion. You don't hear that word too much. People think it's something you do. Well, I have my devotions. But no, no. It's not 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, even, and for you people walk on water an hour. It's not even that. To be devoted to God means that anything of the world defiles you and you don't want any of it. You don't even have a curiosity. Everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I own belongs to him. My time definitely belongs, and my possessions belong to them. I have nothing of my own. I am devoted to God. I'm not afraid to let him have things in my life that other people tell me, well, you got to have something for yourself. Why? So it can take me to hell? Just a thought. Oh, yeah. I know. And this is going to mess some heads up. Me time. Your devotions before God, that's your me time. You pray for me. You meditate on me. Because when you meditate the word, that helps you more than anything. That's your me time. Your time in the word is the time for you. For you to increase. For you to excel. For you to make progress. For you to grow. For you to increase in faith. That's your me time. Well, you know what I know. I don't know what you mean. Listen, I joined the gym so many times. Just like all the rest of y'all. 
The gym people got so slick, they only charge you $10 a month. Huh? And you think, well, that's nothing, even if I don't go. That's the first thing that pops in your head. Oh, yeah, it won't hurt me even if I don't go. See, you're not devoted to it. That's why you don't stick with it. You're trying to get devoted to it, but if you serve God, there's always going to be something that comes up. This is while you're being devoted to your physique and your personal trainer and your this and your that, I want you to go by and pray for somebody. No. Oh, God wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. He said, my name is Jealous. And he would rather cut your little goodies off at the pass before you even get caught up in it than to have to come and rescue you from your own disobedience. So he wants to train us how to be devoted to him. When I was married, when my husband was alive, he... We moved to Detroit, and for some reason, he was never able. Now, he had earned vacation. We were never able to take it. And that was his, like, thing. You know, vacation time came. We stopped everything, packed up, and went somewhere. And I was hiding from the sun most of the time. I burned to a crisp, man, sitting up there on the Mexico somewhere. I didn't speak enough Spanish to really minister to people, but I'd pray for him, lift my hand, wave it. And I remember one day he came home. He said, they're not letting us take vacation anymore. We got to bank it. I said, does that <laughs> Don't say bank in front of the girl. Huh? What bank is it and when can I rob it is what I want to know. But I began to understand that God did that for purposes of ministry. See, people tell you, God first, your family second, ministry third. That's an L-I-E. You don't get to put things in order. When you say God first, that's the end of the conversation. You don't get to rank stuff. <laughs> You'd be rank. <laughs> that's your little rank self. You know, people got just so much religion around. Man, I'm thinking... And you know what? I haven't taken a vacation since. I don't even think about it. And got vacation property. You understand what I'm saying? Don't do it. Why? I don't have the energy to pack myself up like a pretzel and go somewhere for three days and think, try to convince myself I'm having a good time. You know, I, <laughs> Pastor Shirley's kids, you know, the little nieces and nephews, they always try to figure out how to get the old ladies out to have some fun. And uh, they said, oh, uh, Baba, come go to Las Vegas with us. I said, well, number one, I said, God won't let me. I said, but number two, if I ever go to Las Vegas, I ain't nobody's pastor. I ain't prophetess nobody. I'm Barb. I say, you take all my money and deposit it at the first casino. Get me a high roller suite. 
because I'm going out big. Amen. If I'm going to backslide, I'm going big or I ain't going at all. And their little eyes stretched open. I said, what you expect me to do? I said, y'all going to take me to Sin City and I ain't going to have no fun? I said, I don't know y'all either. <laughs> Unless I let you in. Huh? Yeah, put me at the craps table, please. <laughs> give me a stool, a high stool. Don't give me nothing low. I ain't standing up the whole time. Tried that before. Get comfortable. Buy me a little corner right up there when the money's gone. Just give me my return plane ticket. Send me home. Is it? Well, we didn't mean that. I said, that's the way it's going to be. That's the deal. Huh? <laughs> we just go to have a little fun. We don't gamble. Not me. Not my thing. Huh? Go and go big. Go all the way. But you know, that's what devotion is. When God tells you what the requirement is, he wants you to be devoted to it. You can't see, I don't sit around and think about ways that I don't have to go to Detroit or don't have to do. You understand? I'm not trying to devise ways to get out of stuff. And I pray that I never get that way. I pray that I never wanted to slip my devotion to God. I pray it gets stronger. You understand what I'm saying? So the crowd at the door, this man needed to get in, he couldn't get in the door. Those are natural hindrances. God tells you to go to a meeting. It's out of town. Some of you invite people to the conferences from out of town. That part of the crowd at the door is the fact that it's not local. You've got to go through a little extra trouble to get there. Cost is another thing. Crowds at the door. You can't get in. How do you get there? Is it going to be easy to get there? Who's going to help you get there? If you don't have money, how do you, how do you enlist help? You pray. You ask God to provide. Somebody in church will come up to you, give you a holy handshake, 50 bucks, and it's on. Don't wonder what the $50 is for. Because you ain't going to get it again. You start that nonsense with God. That's why we tell people, you want to go to conference, sow seed. Oh, I got the money. I'll have the money. And then when it gets time, guess who don't have the money? See, you talk, this ain't our first rodeo. You're talking to professionals here. We done all made them excuses. We've all been deceived and thinking it was a snap easy thing. It's not hard to get in, it's not easy to get into the door where your blessing is. Hindrances, excuses, lack of finances, the devil mess with your money. I sent a letter to a family, bereaved family with a check in it, it across town. And it still isn't gotten there. That was 10 days ago. The devil will try anything. Anything he can try and do. And I had the option of asking somebody to take it. And I said, well, I don't want to put them out. That was my mistake. You understand? Sometimes you need to put somebody out to get things done and get them done on time. So you repent. God, I should have done it that way. I know it now. The devil is a liar. 
So all these natural hindrances are represented by the crowd at the door. They can be overcome with your faith. They mean nothing. You gotta use your faith and the way you can use it to plow through hindrances. Amen? There's always hindrances. Opportunity knocks, but there's a bunch of voices around the door. You can't go in here. Who do you think you are? Oh no, this is too, it's too many people in here. I remember, um, Avis's son, Reese, we wanted him to go to Benny Hinn years ago. And one of the ladies in the ministry, um, was sitting with him and I think we had all come early. You had to get there real early, stand in the, you know, stand there. They gave bus people preferences and all that kind of stuff. And so she came later with him and we wanted him to get into the meeting. And so, um, she told people at the door, they said, well, it's full. You know, we can't let you. She said, we're Benny Hinn's intercessors. And they said, oh, come right on in. Who knew? I said, yeah, that's who we are. And we were, you know, we pray for his meeting, but you know, you just never know what God's going to use to break those barriers open. You have to be willing. You have to be determined not to be turned away. Corporate gifts and corporate faith are very important to healing in a meeting. Each person carrying this man represents a needed element in faith. Second Peter 1.7 says, add to your faith virtue. That means you don't give up. Virtue is strength. That means that you, uh-uh, we're not taking no for an answer. We're getting this. If it's not today, it'll be today tomorrow. Yeah, this is going to be today one day. You got me? Knowledge. Jesus heals everybody. You got to know that. Temperance. That means self-control. You got to keep your mind from wandering. You got to keep yourself focused on what it is that you desire. You can't let your mind start telling you it won't happen. Patience. That means that you stretch out for the long haul. God, I'm I'm not in it just for something quick. I'm here for the long haul. Amen? And once it really doesn't matter to you how long it takes, then it won't be long. Amen? It won't be long. As long as it matters, as long as you don't put God on a clock and you're going to watch him, uh uh-uh. You have to add to that godliness. I don't know about you, but when I need something from God, I'm nice to everybody. (laughs) You know, I don't have no enemies. I love you. You understand what I'm saying? We all do that. We watch ourselves more closely when we have a need. Amen? Why? Because we know that righteousness speaks volumes in God's kingdom. There's no law against that. So as long as you abide in righteousness, you're legal. Amen? Brotherly kindness. That means go do something for somebody else. Don't be just sitting up there waiting for your little ship to come in. Compassion and love never fails. Amen? Just just walk in love toward all men. Sometimes it's hard because if, if there's some kind of offense that caused your illness or something like that, the enemy will keep reminding you of it. But you keep reminding God, God, I've forgiven that person. I've forgiven myself. Sometimes you got to forgive you. Amen. Whatever you lack in staying power, you will have added to your faith. So faith 
is weak by itself. In fact, James said it's dead by itself. So you've got to bring it to life with certain helpers. You must always add some action to your faith. So they get the man to the meeting. Then the obstacle of people resisting his decision. Amen. <clears throat> Sometimes you got people whispering in your ear. You really think God can do that? Oh, well, or, or people say, oh, oh, okay, go, go on there with your bad self, you know. Huh? All sarcastic naysayers. Or they, I knew somebody who tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. Huh? No, they didn't try what I got. Cause what I got is tried already. See, I'm not trying this, I'm staying with it. Get thee behind me. All these obstacles are there to prevent you from entering in even after you have added to your faith. The Bible says the kingdom allows violence and the violent take it by force. Amen. So what you're doing is you're violently breaking out of darkness and allowing the light of the glorious gospel to shine in on your on your life. You're doing that to get, you get violent to get what belongs to you. So you're wrestling it back from the devil with your faith. You must break out of the natural realm with all of its limitations and restrictions. So once you put to bed all those lies and excuses and reasons why not, then you come into that clearing where you just believe God. Well, God, thank you. You can heal me at any, this can happen to me at any time. I'm not going to be worried about time. I know it can happen at any time. So one way, one doorway is blocked by people who don't have faith. They'll block your way just because they don't believe. Man, they don't want nobody else to have nothing. So because they don't have anything. Skeptics, bigwigs, all these people can make you feel insignificant. And you may be tempted to shrink back from pursuing your promise. But your faith must always bounce back and you must be determined to agree with your faith. You're not trying to build up more faith. You're not trying to find more faith. What you are doing is agreeing with the spirit of faith in you that refuses to give up. You have something in you pushing you that reminds you, you got to still do this. You can have this. What's wrong with you today? Huh? That's your spirit man talking to you. Amen? Girl, get up from there and start acting like you would, you know somebody. Act like you got something, even if you don't have anything. Amen? Your faith must bounce back, and you must be determined to overcome each obstacle. Amen? Removing tiles represents the last step in receiving and getting to Jesus and receiving what you are asking for. You get to the point, I'm in the word, I believe, I've been confessing, when is it happening? But you go right back to it again, amen, because your faith does not quit, amen. There are secret reasons why God does things the way he does. And we have to respect that. God, there's a secret reason why it's not happening on my time schedule. 
There's a secret reason why you're doing it the way you're doing it. There's a secret reason for that. Amen? If he told us things, we wouldn't believe him anyway. For real. He give you full disclosure on things, you say, oh, that ain't me. You're not going to do that with me. You have to know that your faith, even though you may not feel like it will, is going to take you all the way across the finish line. Amen? When the the uh, people pulled up the tiles out of the roof, the Bible talks about the fast that he has chosen. All the things we talked about, standing in your faith, putting away the pointing of the finger, you know, get nice with people. You know, I'm saying get real nice to people because you need something. That's a smart thing to do. That's not fake and that's not phony. That's getting serious with God, if you ask me. Huh? You ask people on their deathbed and they get close to dying. They start calling in people that they've done wrong to. They start calling up people, sending them nice letters and everything. It's just a part of what humans do when they know they want to get everything wrong out of their lives. There's nothing wrong with that. It's called repentance, in other words. You got me? It's called asking for forgiveness. It's called getting right with God. And the Bible says then your your health will spring forth and the light will shine through. So that's what they did. They moved those tiles and the light began to shine through on that meeting so that he could target himself right there at the feet of Jesus where his healing was. And Jesus told him his sins were forgiven him. See, he deals with the hindrance. The final hindrance in his life was that he felt guilty about something. Now that'll shock you how many people that really keeps from getting what God. Because a lot of times when you start thinking about healing and why you don't have it, and then your mind will drift onto something you did. It's very common. That's why James says, if you committed any sins, you know. In other words, if you don't want to just take your healing by faith, if you even if you committed sins, they're forgiven. A little miss guilty person. Huh? In other words, nothing can keep you from receiving your health from God. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with the covenant. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You think he's going to let you be wrong about something and let you continue to confess the word and not tell you you need to deal with this? He's faithful, even if we crazy sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He's right all the time. God wouldn't treat you like that. Let you believe him and believe him, and then all of a sudden you find out you can't get it because you forgot to say, you tell him you're sorry about something. I always say nip it in the bud. Get up in the morning confessing. Get up in the morning repent. Father, I just forgive me from yesterday. Man, yesterday was shot. Or yesterday was good, but it could have been better if I'd been more diligent, more devoted. Let's get the slate wiped clean. That's how his mercies are new every morning. New mercies mean he's willing to forgive you from the day before. These people like this blanket gravy forgiveness and go around cutting up that's why a lot of times people like that don't change much 
you see them after after being saved 30 years still got the same bad habits they had day one. Because they think, oh, you don't have to do all of that. Yes, you do. I do. And me and you ain't no different. Huh? We all got to go before the throne and plead the blood. Amen? That's your only plea. That's the only thing that will give you access is that that blood covers you, cleanses you, forgives you, restores you, takes away the guilt conscience so that you can go freely to do the works that God's called you to do. The the reason Israel couldn't con- uh, serve God continually is guilt would catch up with them. Hmm? It's not so much, you know, they love sinning. Come on now. They've seen God do miracles. Anytime God, you go to Lake Erie and you step on the edge and it opens up and you walk over to Canada, uh, you get impressed. You understand what I'm saying? You say, hmm, I want to serve this God. But when they went to serve him, if they committed sin, they began to shy away from him. Even though they had the atonement every year, blood of bulls and goats can't purge your conscience from dead works. So they walked around with a guilty conscience until they had to come back and get purged again. They felt, yeah, hallelujah, they sent the scapegoat out there and I'm forgiven and all that. But then, oh boy, now I got to look, oh boy. My kids just, we just had a brand new calf and the kids love it and I'm looking at my have to kill you because I'm going to do something bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? You kill Bambi because you don't know how to quit cussing, drinking, and carrying on. So they never could do it. The purpose of the law was to have them end up in frustration and admit we can't do this. We need something better. So he sent Jesus. And that's what we have. But you can walk around acting crazy with a bad conscience just because you get sloppy on your... You understand what I'm saying? People who are sloppy livers like that look for teachings to tell them it's okay not to confess their sins. Because there's a lot of them out there. You know, then you get to the people like Carlton Pearson who say, uh, you know, why would a holy God send people to hell? I just couldn't believe. He said, and, and, and the Bible says there, there, the whole world is forgiven and he, he wants to, now he wants sinners to be forgiven and don't repent. I won't say the church is screwed up enough like that already. Why are you going to get sinners involved in the game? Can we at least give them a chance to live right? So this thing about the shed blood and applying the shed blood to your life is extremely important to keep the barrier of guilt from keeping you from going in and receiving what God has for you. Because if you don't get that bad boy off of you, you get up to preach and or you get up to pray for somebody and you doubt they can get better because you're... So that's got to get taken care of. You know, the church is kind of slow in that kind of stuff. 
because we don't preach enough. And then people who do preach it, oh, they preach sin. No, we don't. We preach righteousness. But we preach righteousness consciousness by virtue of repentance and turning away from dead works. So you don't have to keep covering up for yourself. You don't have to keep feeling bad for what you did. You don't have to keep that hanging over you, have a guilt hangover all the time. You have to be willing to, to stand toe-to-toe with the devil and say, Now look, devil, my sins are forgiven. You can't bring that up to me anymore. And know it's the devil. You got me? Know it's the devil. And don't let him come barking at your door anymore with that nonsense. Huh? Yeah, devil, I did. And guess what? Probably do it again. Huh? But I'm sure enough going to repent and tell God, please deliver me from this iniquity that keeps craving to do that kind of stuff. That keeps longing for that. That keeps huh, bringing me back to the same old place. Many times people can't get over that. That's why they backslide. They go right back out into the world. Why? Because the devil convinced them, look what you did. Now, you you know you can't. You oh, you mean to tell me all you got to do is just say, God, I'm sorry. And yeah. Okay. Too much attention to the devil, not enough attention to God. That's the time when you need to get in your word, crawl up in the pages of your Bible, and stay in there. Because if he's tormenting you like that, with things that aren't even real anymore. The Bible says once he forgives you, amen, he doesn't remember it anymore. If God's not saying something to you because he don't remember, it must be the devil who keeps telling you. Huh? God has no... Girl, the devil got such a long way. He, he got rings of paper. Let me see. Let me look you up. Let me let you know it. Yeah. Remember in 1956, huh? you was in the first grade and you stole somebody's crayon. <laughs> He just got reams and reams on. Reams and reams on us. Amen. So he's the one remembering everything. He got a good memory too. Huh? He'll flash them pictures in your head. Huh? You go and, and, and witness to somebody and do a good job. And then you'll go back a few minutes later and think about it and say, Now see, you see how they acted when after you said that? Now that was wrong. Now you shouldn't have said that. What you should have said was, <laughs> I'm going to help you go to hell. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he wants you to do with people. But if we will apply the blood, the blood is your friend. The blood is blotting out all iniquity. I don't care what it is. It's getting rid of all of that old residue of want to on the inside of you. Things that we're afraid if they pop up, oh boy, what are the saints going to say? They ain't popping up. Huh? Because they're gone. Amen? That's a figment of somebody's imagination because nothing's popping up on you anymore. Nothing but righteousness. Amen? People are, you know, you walk in fear and it's sometimes you look back and you think, boy, I was scared to go back and start doing that. And it's 30 years later now and I haven't done it yet. So if you're afraid of doing it now and it's not 30 years yet, just believe at some point it's going to be 30 years and you'll look back and say, I have not done that again yet and won't be doing it. Why? Because the blood makes you a new creature. 
makes your conscience purged from dead works. Cleaned out all the way. Amen? We used to have orders. We used to hate them when I was a nursing. Purging enema. You ever heard of those, Nikki? No, right, yeah. They don't never get him the real stuff to do. We said, oh boy, here we go. Give me a dozen of them. Because you had to give them to the water came back clear. That's purged. That's what that word in the Bible means. Your sins are purged. You come back clear. Amen. Nobody's got anything on you. Amen. That's what we are. We are purged. 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 Now, if you don't remember anything, you remember that, won't you? Huh? <laughs> All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for everything you do for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you. You're a good God and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father. You've given us a purged conscience, not just forgetting, not just putting away, not by pushing aside, but totally purged. If we got inspected, expected, there would be no trace of sin, past, present, or in the future. So we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I'm going to do a prayer blessing for everybody. Well, does anybody need prayer? If you have a need, you can speak it out. I guess we can't have a touchy altar call today. We're going to be legal. Amen. We're going to keep our legal stuff going on. But uh, praise God. Anybody have a need, personal need? Well, Lord, I bless every soul here. Thank you, Father. Our spirits are already filled with the fullness of God. That we are are yours, we're devoted to you, Father. I thank you to let everybody understand true devotion. They're not waiting on something to happen. Their life is not in a holding pattern, Father, but their life is exactly what you want it to be right now. Even though we expect more good things in the future, there are greater things ahead for us, there are more things ahead for us. Father, we thank you and we bless you that we are full and living in the fullness of you right now. And we honor you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. No lack. Amen. No lack, no lack, no lack. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.